We live in an age that measures success in ministry by numbers. A successful church will have a large membership. A successful preacher will draw large crowds. But the question we need to ask ourselves is this. Is this how the Lord sees success? Does he count success by numbers? A few years ago, I, I was working in a, in a small uh, church of about 10 to 15 people. And a visitor came to the church and approached me and, and said to me after service, he says, Wayne, you need to be speaking to thousands of people, not just to small groups like this. But as I reflected on that, I began to realize that that was not God's purpose for my life. All of my ministry has been to small groups and to small churches. Every one of them was struggling when, when I arrived. And why should I leave what God has called me to do for something else? There, there is no success outside of God's purpose for our lives and ministry. God does not count success as we count success. And in the life of Philip the Evangelist, we, we have some teaching of God on this whole matter of success. And his life teaches us some great lessons about what it means to be a successful servant of God. And so in this episode, we will look at how God sees success from the life of Philip, the evangelist. Philip had a very important ministry in Jerusalem. He had been selected as one of the few deacons in that early church. And of course, that was a very prestigious position and one that people would look up to as he was a leader in that vital church in Jerusalem. But when persecution broke out, as Saul was on a rampage to rid the world of Christianity, believers were forced to leave the city of Jerusalem and scattered throughout the region at that time. And Philip was among those who scattered. And Philip, of course, went to the region of Samaria, where he began to preach the gospel. And his preaching had a powerful impact on that region. And what happened in Samaria was so significant that it attracted the attention of the apostles. And they came to see what was happening and to, to confirm the work that God was doing in that place. People were coming to know the Lord. Great signs and miracles were being uh, performed in those days. And, and there was a great sense of peace and joy in the hearts of, of those who had come to know the Lord in this region. Now, consider this church just for a moment. Philip was experiencing this incredible blessing of God. 
and, and had been used to, to bring this wonderful revival to the region of Samaria. He had the attention of the apostles and the, and the church in Jerusalem and, and the admiration of the, the new believers in Samaria as he was responsible for the message that had brought them to Christ. And from a worldly perspective, Philip, the evangelist, was an incredible success. He was an important man. Now, there are many people who crave that kind of position. They long to have success in ministry. They, they long to have people look up to them as, as great men and women of faith. They, they crave that kind of attention that this kind of thing brings. But while Philip was at the heights of his success, an angel appeared to him one night and, and spoke to him and said to him, Philip, rise and go toward the south, to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. And verse 26 specifically mentions that that place where Philip was being called was a desert. Now, what do we know about the desert? Well, the desert is a very barren place. It's a place where no one notices you. There's no praise in the desert, no worldly honor in the desert. It's just you and God and, and whoever he puts in your path. And you can imagine that the difference there would have been for Philip as he left this busy revival that was taking place in Samaria and the great success that was taking place there to, to travel down to the dryness of this desert, from the success of Samaria to the dryness of the desert. And as we think about that call of God upon his life to leave this, this revival in the midst of the revival and travel down to the desert, we have to just admire Philip. Lesser men would have refused that call, feeling that it was beneath their dignity and that God was using them here in Samaria, so how could they leave? But God was calling Philip away from the spotlight. He had another ministry for him. And this ministry was not to the crowds. And it was not a ministry that would, he would receive great glory and praise for. But it was to a simple searcher. And Philip was to leave that high-profile ministry of Samaria behind. And he was to follow the Lord into this desert to reach out to just that one man. Would you be willing to go to the desert to leave all the glory and the spotlight in order to go into that desert? In Acts chapter 11, we read about the work of God that began in, in the region of Antioch another region where God began to do a powerful work. And in Acts chapter 11, verses 20 to 22, we read this, But there were some of them, men of Cyprus and Cyrene, who on coming to Antioch spoke to the Hellenists also, preaching the Lord Jesus. And the hand of the Lord was with them, and a great number who believed turned to the Lord. The report 
of this came to the ears of the church in Jerusalem, and they sent Barnabas to Antioch. Another great revival that, that breaks out, similar to what took place in Samaria, breaking out in Antioch, and, and great numbers of people coming to the Lord. And, and, and you can imagine how this town of Antioch was, was turned around. And, and again, just like in Samaria, the news of this revival reaches Jerusalem and, and they send Barnabas off to check it out and to see what was happening. And Barnabas, as he arrives, sees the incredible work of God and realized that he needed help because of all these people coming to know the Lord, needing to be discipled and needing to be matured in their faith. And so he sent off for Paul, uh, who had come to know the Lord by this time, and, and Paul came to Antioch and both men there worked in that city for, for, uh, for about a year. And together, Paul and Barnabas taught and instructed these new believers. And, and they, were, they were instructed in the ways of the Lord and they were drawn closer to the Lord. And their discipling ministry would have had tremendous impact and been tremendously valuable to the church in Antioch. These men, Paul and Barnabas, were, were vital to the work of God that was taking place in the city of Antioch. But remember something here. Remember how this great move of God, this great revival took place, how it started in Acts chapter 11, verse 20. But there were some men of them, men of Cyprus and Cyrene, who were coming to Antioch, spoke to the Hellenists, preaching the Lord Jesus, and the hand of the Lord was on them. And a great number came and believed and turned to the Lord. Who were these men of Cyprus and Cyrene? Your guess is as good as mine. They are unnamed. As, and, and as they, they come, they, they, they begin this great revival and then fade out. And all the attention then goes to Paul and Barnabas and, and, and these men of Cyprus and these men of Serene. There was no fame, no glory. All they are is just men of Cyprus and Serene. They don't even have a name. But all these great things took place in Antioch because these men were faithful and desired no spotlight, no attention. They just simply came and preached the gospel. And as Paul and Barnabas took the spotlight and, and began to disciple and train these believers, they were at one point in a prayer meeting one day. And in that prayer meeting, the Lord began to speak to them. And the Lord said this in Acts chapter 13 and verse 2 to the church in Antioch in that prayer meeting that day. Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. And that day in the midst of this great move of God in Antioch, the Lord pulled out their key leaders, took them away from the glory and the growth and sent them out into the barren fields where there were no believers at all. And this team of Paul the teacher and Barnabas the pastoral encourager as had been a tremendous blessing to the church. And under that ministry of Paul and Barnabas, that church would have grown, but God was asking the church to surrender them to the work of missions. And God was asking Paul and Barnabas to leave a successful ministry 
to embark on a journey that would mean tremendous suffering. They would be beaten, they would be persecuted, they would be rejected, they would be cast out of cities, but God was calling them to go into the barrenness of the mission field. Why would God take someone from a successful ministry and send them where they would be rejected and beaten? In Antioch, their ministry was appreciated. Where they were going, it would be rejected. And again, like Philip, lesser men, lesser women would not even have considered leaving the success and comfort of their well-respected ministries to be obedient to the Lord in persecution. Consider Paul as he traveled on his missionary journeys. There were many struggles for him as he was beaten, as he was stoned, as he was rejected from one town to another, as he suffered shipwreck and, and, and his life was in peril for many, on many occasions. And though there were many struggles, this man also experienced tremendous blessings as churches were being planted, as people were coming to know the Lord, as the gospel was going forward as never before in the history of the church. Here was a man who would become the most well-known and valuable missionary in the early church. And as Paul reached that height of worldly success, if you will, God saw fit to take him and strip him of all of that glory. And God put him in a Roman prison cell where he would end the rest of his days. Paul the Apostle, now treated and confined in a prison cell, unable to move from town to town, unable to preach the gospel in, in, as, he, as he sat there, confined to that prison cell. As we look in the Old Testament, we meet a man by the name of Moses, raised by the daughter of Pharaoh her, herself, a position of wealth and influence in, in Egypt. And here was a man that, that God had called and, and Moses had a burden for his people. But you know the story as well as I, that there at that height of his success, worldly success, God strips him of his influence. God strips him of his position and sent him into the desert for 40 years. All of his influence, all of his success lie dormant as he becomes a shepherd and lives a life unnoticed by anyone. As we look at the life of Philip, the evangelist, we see a man who was a successful deacon in the early church and how he was forced to leave that position and go into the region of Samaria, the region that the Jews would not even pass through. The Jews hate it. We see how there in the midst of the great revival that broke out there, how God stripped him of that position as the revival leader and sent him into the desert to reach one single person. 
We see how he moves from the desert to Gaza, to, uh, of Gaza to Caesarea, where there he would end his days in relative isolation, raising a family of four girls to serve the Lord. Was Philip successful? Well, maybe not in the world's eyes, but in the eyes of the Lord, he had been obedient and he would receive his reward. How easy it is for us to be blinded by worldly success. We measure the success of a ministry by its results or by the numbers. We feel that because the Lord is is blessing, we must be in the right place and we must be successful. And as a result, we're no longer open to the leading of the Lord. We miss what the Lord is saying because we're blinded and deafened by the world's concept of of success. We spend our lives measuring results, and, and we can become so content in our success that we don't move forward into God's purpose. We become so... Uh, so discouraged by the smallness of our ministry that we can no longer see ourselves in the purpose and plan of God. But God is calling us to get our eyes off the world's concept of success and to look to him. God calls us sometimes to go to the desert, but we just can't accept it. He calls us to surrender our best workers, and we, we just can't understand how that could really be what he wants us to do. God has a purpose, and we are called to be obedient to that purpose, whether it is to be in the desert or whether it's to be in the spotlight. It doesn't matter. God is calling us to obey. There's a world of difference between faithfulness and worldly success. See, not everybody who is successful from a worldly perspective is faithful to God's call. To be faithful, however, is to be willing to turn our backs on worldly success, to be obedient to God's purpose. Some time ago, I was in a coffee shop and I was writing a a book and I was working on a particular chapter and I was just finishing it off and saving it when my computer crashed and I searched for that file, but it was nowhere to be found. And as I came to the realization that I had lost the morning's work, I I remember crying out to God and saying, God, why did this happen? I just lost the whole morning's work. I've just wasted a whole morning. And I remember as I was sitting in that chair in the coffee shop, what the Lord spoke to me and spoke into my heart. That day, the Lord spoke to me in the midst of that uh, confusion that I was facing, and he asked me this simple question. Wayne, have you been faithful? And as I reflected on that question, I began to realize that God had called me to write, and that is exactly what I had been doing. And while I would go home with absolutely nothing to show, for a whole morning's work, 
I could go home with the understanding that I had been faithful. I had not been successful from a worldly point of view, but I had been faithful and I had obeyed. Philip the evangelist demonstrates to us that he was a man of faithfulness. He was not blinded by success. He, he was willing to leave the, the worldly success in Samaria to go into that desert. He was willing to leave the desert to go to Caesarea where he would be known for raising his family. The question that we need to ask ourselves is this, are you willing to leave the spotlight? Are you willing to make faithfulness and obedience to God no matter what it is, no matter how dry it might be, will you make that the priority in your life? Will you, like Philip, be willing to leave the spotlight to go into the dryness of the desert to be obedient and faithful to the call of God on your life.